0: On this episode,
1: Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz is legendary uh, for his advocacy of what's fair, what's right, what's just. He's unapologetic about being a strict interpreter of the Constitution. It doesn't matter which party is in power, if they're right, He's their defender if they're wrong. He is their critic. He joins us today to discuss his groundbreaking new book, The Case Against New Censorship, Big Tech Progressives. Attorney Jershus, welcome to the broadcast.
0: I always look forward to being on your show. You have a great show and you have a terrific audience, so I'm honored that you've invited me
1: yeah, it is it is our honor. Um, talk to us about the the cancer culture, which is becoming the next deadly virus.
0: Well, what wor- what worries me, of course, is that in the old days, it was the government that censored, the government that canceled, the government that put people in prison. Today, everything is being done by private parties, and you can't sue them. You know, when the government censored, we were able to go to court. I went to court against the government uh, in the Pentagon Papers case and WikiLeaks and I Am Curious Yellow Hair, many of these other cases, and we always won. But when it's private companies that are censoring and private people that are canceling, it's much harder to fight them. That's why I wrote my book, The Case Against the New Censorship, because we have to come up with new ways of fighting that we didn't have to have when we were fighting the old censors. Okay,
1: about your concerns, what the outcome of this all could possibly be, because you can see where it's headed. Can you expound on more of its dangers, not that it's not government, but its private companies and
0: individuals? Yeah. They tell us what we can see and read. I'll give you an example. So Bobby Kennedy, Jr., the son of the former attorney general of the United States, uh, is a great environmental lawyer, but he's also critical of vaccinations. And I'm very pro-vaccination. And so he challenged me to a debate. And we debated. It was a terrific debate on the constitutionality of vaccination, efficacy of vaccines, on science. It was great. Hundreds of people, thousands of people watched it. And then Google made the decision to take it down. They did not want anybody to hear Bobby Kennedy's side of the debate. Because he raised questions about the vaccine, that's just not right. I happen to be against Bobby Kennedy's views, but I want the public to hear them. I'm against the views of those who think the election was unfair, but I want those views to be heard. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, against uh, what uh, Derek Chauvin did to to Floyd, to George Floyd. I'm very much against that, but I want to make sure that all sides of every issue are heard. You know, for example, we see now in in Brooklyn Center. The head of Brooklyn Center uh, said that he thought that the woman, Kim Potter, who accidentally shot a black man thinking that he was she was going to taser him, he simply said that she should be given due process. And as a result of that, he was fired. So we're seeing great dangers, both from government and non-government actors. For the first time in my lifetime, certainly for the first time since McCarthyism, we're seeing a direct frontal attack on freedom of speech, on due process, and on other basic fundamental freedoms that have made this country great.
1: The case against the new censorship, let me, let me raise this with you. You know, we run corporations. We have tons of, of employees. You know, if someone said in my corporation that someone deserves due process, that person would have never been fired, not in my business. Who makes those decisions? to cancel them?
0: Is it one person? Is it a board? Who who are these people? Well, in that case, it was crowds. The crowds outside in Brooklyn Center uh, were demanding that he be fired, saying that they would create violence and uh, attack the city if he were not fired. And what I'm so afraid of is we're seeing the crowds determining what people can hear and what people can see. Almost no individual is responsible. You know, Google says we're just following what our people want or we have an algorithm. Uh, but these are not elected officials. These are not accountable, responsible people. Decisions like this should be made by people who you can vote for or vote against. That's the ultimate check in a democracy. And we don't have that check with Google. We don't have that check with crowds. We don't have that check with Facebook. We don't have that check with universities, private universities. Uh, they're teaching their students not how to think, but they're propagandizing them about what to think. And that's very, very dangerous because these are our future leaders. Is it true that this censorship
1: has overwhelmingly impacted conservative voices more than
0: anyone else? Yes, I think that is true. It's the opposite of when I was growing up where McCarthyism impacted negatively on liberal Uh, voices, and so liberals want free speech. Today, the cancel culture is impacting mostly on conservatives, so conservatives want free speech. Almost everybody says free speech for me, but not for thee. I want free speech for everybody. I want free speech for people I disagree with. You know, when Nazis marched through Skokie, through Skokie, Illinois, a town that has many Holocaust survivors and many in my family were killed by the Nazis, I defended the rights of the Nazis to march through Skokie, saying If you stop the Nazis from marching through Skokie, then others will try to stop Martin Luther King from marching through uh, uh, cities in the south, through Birmingham. You can't have one standard for good speech and one standard for bad speech. The First Amendment doesn't distinguish between good and bad speech. Whatever rules you establish for bad speech will also censor good speech. And so I think it's a very, very dangerous trend that will ultimately come back to hurt the very people who are espousing it today. What are your constitutional
1: concerns about all this? Well, the Constitution says
0: Congress shall make no law bridging the freedom of speech. It doesn't talk about private parties. And so it's much, much harder to fight against cancel culture and censorship by private corporations. There are weapons we have. We can use the antitrust laws, we can have And uh, we can rescind Section 230 of the Decency Communications Act, which gives the social media special privileges. It gave them special privileges because they weren't supposed to censor. But once they begin to censor, especially if they begin to censor selectively, which I think is what they're doing, then I think they lose their privilege. So there are grave constitutional concerns. The First Amendment is the cornerstone of American democracy.
1: Let's let's take it overseas. What are your thoughts on the Human Rights Watchdog just declaring Israel an apartheid
0: state? Well, Human Rights Watch has always been a very uh, anti-Israel left-wing organization. It was founded, actually, by a pro-Israel, the former editor editor of Random House, but then it was taken over by the extreme, extreme, extreme left. Um, If you read the report that Human Rights Watch just came out with, they basically are against the two-state solution. They think there should be one state in which Palestinians are the majority. They would want to end nation state Jewish people. And, you know, this is the only Jewish state for 2,000 years. Uh, Almost every other group of people have their own state. There's no reason why the Jewish people shouldn't have their own state. But Human Rights Watch would deny the Jewish people uniquely their own state and say they have to be governed by the Palestinians because under the one-state solution advocated by Human Rights Watch, there would be a vast, and they also advocate the right of return, so there'd be a vast majority of, uh, of Palestinians and only a small minority of Jews. And history has shown that Jews need to have a state. When they didn't have a state in Eastern Europe, they were persecuted. When they didn't have a state in Germany, they were persecuted. The only place they haven't been persecuted have been Western democracies like the United States and Israel itself. So I think Human Rights Watch is very, very biased and one-sided.
1: The case against new censorship, Alan Dershowitz's new book, what, what are the tactics, differentiate for us the tactics between big tech companies and progressives in their censorship.
0: Well, progressives have an agenda. Um, They have no tolerance for any other views. They know they're right, and they think they have truth on their side. So why do you need dissent? That's their position. They're doing it very overtly because they want no disagreement with their political philosophy. Big tech is doing it for a different reason. I think big tech is doing it to protect themselves uh, against criticism. Um, They don't want to be on the wrong side of uh, major issues. I don't think they're as partisan and political as some progressives and some uh, universities. But in the end, it's very similar because in the end, they decide what we can see and hear. You know, people forget that the First Amendment has two aspects and they're overlapping, but they're separate aspects. The right of the speaker to speak, that's very important. But the right of the listener to hear what he has to say is equally important. And if companies like YouTube decide to take down the debate between me and Robert Kennedy, it means that viewers don't get to see that debate. And then they're deprived of their First Amendment rights to see a debate that they would like to see. Fortunately, there are ways of fighting back. Uh, For example, um, uh, Rumble, which is another uh, vehicle, uh, doesn't censor. And so they run the debate between me and Bobby Kennedy, and you can watch it there, but of course Google has a thousand times more viewers than Rumble. And they're so big that it's very hard to compete with them in the marketplace of ideas.
1: The case against new censorship, and these are my words, um, at its core, cancel culture is about power. The power to almost immediately take away someone's reputation, livelihood, and future simply because you have an opposing view. A vendetta, even in some cases, have simply confused them with another person, another individual, another business. Cancer culture in America is unchecked, running rampant, and at the moment, it seems unstoppable here's the thing neither democrats republicans liberals conservatives sinners saints are immune from the cancer culture mentality politicians will quickly come on the attack for an ill-timed trip a decade-old tweet or an off-cuff remark look at what's happening to cuomo Look at what's happening to the congressman, the, the guy who decided to run for mayor in New York, and 20 years ago, someone alleged that he sexually harassed them. Attacking our elected officials or forcing the abrupt end to promising careers is what it's about. And they laugh. They think they have power. They feel invincible. And yet they're destroying someone's life, their livelihood, their families, and at what cost to our future? Attorney Dershowitz.
0: Well, no, I agree with you completely. That's why I have proposed the creation of a Me Too court consisting of, say, former justices of the Supreme Court, prominent uh, religious leaders, scientists. And if anybody is falsely accused, they can bring their case to this informal court who can then at least decide whether there's any basis for the charges uh, or not. Uh, you know, look, it's it goes beyond the big, the big corporations. Simon & Schuster... Uh, decided to publish a book by vice president former vice president pence 300 writers and agents and people who should support the first amendment are opposing simon and schuster publishing this book they want to silence the former vice president you might disagree with him but let him publish his book then write a review of it then trash the book then throw it in the garbage pail if you want but don't stop simon and schuster from publishing a book that you disagree with um you know the great uh, german uh, uh, writer Heinrich Heine once said, when you start by burning books, you always end by burning people. And uh, I'm terrified that this book burning, uh, which is pushed by young people and universities and increasing numbers of academics, um, will lead us in the very, very dangerous direction. And and it's going to be hard to fight back because some of these are very good people. They're in favor of equality. They're in favor of fairness. They just don't understand the implications of Denying people the right of free speech. A democracy cannot survive in the absence of free speech. What were
1: the moments that you can recall that gave fuel to this cancel um, culture, Attorney Jaroslawicz?
0: Well, a lot of them are very understandable. Prominent people were accused of doing terrible things, and if they were guilty, they deserve to be criticized. But it has spread so quickly to the point that as soon as an accusation is leveled, that's the end. Let me give you an, an, another recent example. Norton Books just canceled the book, the biography of Philip Roth, one of my favorite writers, because the writer was accused of doing improper things sexually, never convicted, denies it, never had an opportunity to disprove his point. But the accusation is equivalent to the conviction. That's why I wrote another book called Guilt by Accusation, Challenge of Proving Innocence in the Age of Me Too. It's very, very difficult today to combat a charge and it's very easy to come up with a false charge for political reasons, for financial reasons, for other reasons. And due process requires that both sides be listened to, both sides be given an opportunity to make your cases. You know,
1: Attorney Gershowitz, um, they also tried to cancel you with the accusations yeah. about you and your association with Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, and obviously you were as, as in for the fight of your life. What did you do different that others can learn from? And I'm sure part of that was the impetus for you writing this book, because you found, you, you're talking about not your, just yourself, but so many other people can face the same
0: consequences if someone doesn't stand up and speak out. Right, I, I, I'm very lucky that I did nothing wrong. I was completely innocent. I never heard of the woman, never saw her. I had emails from her proving that she didn't even know who I was. So it was easy for me to prove my innocence. And because I had nothing to hide I the book, a uh, guilt by accusation, I'm able to sue her. I'm able to go on shows like yours and answer any questions about it because I've done nothing wrong. I have nothing to hide. There are other people who can't do this because they haven't lived a completely clean life and they do have to hide. Even if they're innocent of this charge, other things will come out which they don't want to come out. I have nothing that I worry about coming out because I've not done anything wrong. So I was able to fight back and I think successfully, but I'm still tied up in litigation. And an organization like the 92nd Street Y in New York where I've spoken many, many, many times, probably over 25 times in the last 25 years, they canceled me. They said they know I'm innocent, but they don't want trouble. That was what happened during McCarthyism. A lot of people were canceled during McCarthyism. People didn't want to cancel them, but they didn't want trouble. And all that is required for tyranny to succeed is for good people to remain silent and to accept that philosophy. And I think that's what the 92nd Street Y did. That's what others have done. And that's what keeps the cancel culture alive. There has to be an opportunity to fight back like I fought back against the false charge. But as I said, for me, it's easy because I have nothing to hide. I've lived a completely open and honorable life. You know,
1: um, Facebook, it appears, will soon bring, bring back President Trump to his platform. Google is not even hearing the discussion. You know, many people will say, now, oh, my God, if you can cancel a former president or president of the United States, we're just sitting
0: ducks. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, And and it's done selectively. Um, There are so many people who aren't canceled who have said things that are more dangerous and worse and less truthful, but um, they have no accountability. You know, Facebook has just appointed a new, quote, Supreme Court of distinguished outsiders to tell us what we can see and what we can hear and what we can read on Facebook. That scares me too, even though there are some very good people on that Supreme Court. Nobody has elected them. Nobody has given them the authority to tell us what we can see and what we can't see. And I'm afraid that this kind of elite censorship can spread to other institutions as well. How do,
1: what is the formula for fighting back?
0: there are many forms. Uh, number one, competition. Uh, we should encourage the creation of new platforms like Rumble, uh, which don't censor. And we should post our material on non-censoring platforms. Second, we can use the antitrust laws as long as they don't in any way interfere with the content of what's being published. It's perfectly okay to use the antitrust laws against any corporation that has gotten too big and controls too much whether it be steel or oil or the flow of information. Third, we can have more people watch shows like yours, uh, listen to podcasts and read books of mine. We have to have alternative ways of getting messages across, which is why I've written more books in the last uh, five years uh, than probably in the previous 20, because writing these short books that come out quickly uh, is a way of overcoming the censorship because nobody can censor my books and nobody can censor what I say. And so it's a way of fighting back and nobody can censor what you say. So it's a way of fighting back against these large corporations. They don't control us and we can't let them control us. Uh, How do we
1: protect our freedom of speech, which is a sacred, which is a sacred bedrock of America, of the American
0: fabric? Well, we protect it in two different ways. First, when the government censors, we go to court and we fight back and we generally win. The First Amendment has a very, very good record. You know, My record of winning First Amendment cases is almost 100%. But that doesn't mean I'm a good lawyer, it just means I'm on the right side of the First Amendment cases. First Amendment cases against the government generally win. But attacks against big corporations or universities or individual progressives generally lose in court. And so we have to come up with new weapons, um, particularly the court of public opinion, to make it impossible for the corporations to continue to do what they're doing. And we have to fight back against them. And I think we're beginning to do that. And remember, the vast majority of Americans want free speech. It's a minority, a very loud minority, that really wants to censor. But thus far, they've won the battle, and we can't let them win. We have to fight back. How do we continue
1: to place a premium on ethical legitimacy and not its popularity?
0: That's very hard. I'm thinking of writing a book uh, called The Price of Principle. Uh, I paid a very heavy price. I mean, I defended President Trump against impeachment even though I didn't vote for him. I voted for Hillary Clinton, I'm a liberal Democrat. And I lost a lot of friends over that. Um, Today would be probably if I wanted to go back to teaching, Probably many schools which recruited me eagerly would not want me because I'm today politically incorrect. And so it it takes a heavy price and people have to be willing to pay that price if you go against the popular and the politically correct. I'm willing to pay that price, but I can't ask others to pay it unless I'm willing to pay it myself.
1: You know, the thing that you continue to allude to as we say goodbye to you and thank you so much for writing this book and we encourage people to go to Amazon.com to buy the book. It is a must read. I read it this week and literally I cannot put it down. The case against the new censorship. I highly recommend it. Um, the thing that I want to say to you is that when you are fighting this, it is very, very expensive. To the wallet, to your character, your self-esteem. Yeah. They make you doubt yourself. They make you ask yourself, did I do this? Do I recognize this person? What about for those that don't have the means, like you or I, to fight these scurrilous a- allegations?
0: Well, I'm, I'm happy to help them. And if anybody needs help, if anybody is being victimized, uh, that's what I do. I do half of my cases pro bono. Uh, I have probably done more pro bono cases than any lawyer, uh, certainly in modern American history. And I'm gonna continue to do that. And the First Amendment has been one of my priorities, along with the death penalty. And so I do a great many of those cases, and if people are being victimized by cancel culture, by violation of their First Amendment rights, feel free to call me. They can no longer count on the American Civil Liberties Union, which has made free speech a lower priority than it used to be. But there are a few of us out there, and there's an organization called FIRE, and there are other institutions that are today fighting for free speech, and we will continue to do so. And whether you have the resources or not, we're out there to help you, and I'm, I'm willing to uh, participate in your defense or to help you if you have been victimized by censorship or by cancel culture.
1: And that is character, who's willing 50% of it pro bono because of what he's gone through, whether you can afford it or not. He wants to protect you against these dangers and for you're building your credibility for so many decades and have it ruined by some ridiculous and outrageous allegation and someone who has a hidden agenda. Attorney Dershowitz, we wish you well with your book. We ask you to go out and get a copy of it, The Case Against New Censorship, by Alan Dershowitz.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode.